Go to Zechariah chapter 5. Zechariah chapter 5. It's really good to see you all here tonight. We're going to have a good time in God's Word. Tonight is one of those messages that as believers... Is, is everybody saved here tonight? You know Jesus Christ is your Savior. So as believers, that was really lame. Everyone saved here tonight? Yeah. Amen. That's more like it. Um, it it's, this is a fun thing because it's very interesting. Um, it's very sad, the subject matter. But... Again, we'll just step back when we're done and stand in awe of God's Word. Um, the consistency of the Scriptures. So look at Zechariah chapter 5. Look at verse 5. Then the angel that talked with me went forth and said unto me, Lift up now thine eyes and see what is this that goeth forth. And I said, What is it? And he said unto me, This is an ephah. Now, that's not an ephod, the priestly garment. Notice this is an ephah. What is an ephah? It's a basket. And it's the, the largest or it's, it's the largest of the baskets. It was used in uh, the book of Esther and some other places, but it's a basket. So it says, this is an ephah that goeth forth. He said, moreover, this is their, re their resemblance through all the earth. So this is a worldwide phenomenon. And behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead. And this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephah. And he said, this is wickedness. And he cast it into the midst of the ephah, and he cast the weight of lead upon the mouth thereof. Then lifted I up mine eyes and looked, and behold, there came out two women. And the wind was in their wings for they had wings like the wings of a stork. And they lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven. Then said I to the angel that talked with me, Whither do these bear the ephah? And he said unto me, To build it an house in the land of Shinar, and it shall be established and set there upon her own base. Dear Heavenly Father, help us now as we look at your word. And we see some things that you have prepared. And Lord, to help us as we try to define some things by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, make sure that you have a Bible in front of you that you can see it. We're going to track down. How many of you think that's an interesting account right there? Very, very interesting. So let's try and track this down. First of all, I want you to see in verse uh, 6... And it says, or verse 7, And behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead, and this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephah. So you have this image that's made of lead, and it's a woman. All right? This, this, this piece of lead is a woman. Um, so what is this speaking of? We see that it's a woman, and we also see that this is wickedness. So, how are we going to track this down? Well, first of all, look at Matthew chapter 13 and verse 33. This woman has many names. In the Old Testament, it was Ashtoreth. 
the consort of Baal. Um, and wherever Baal worship was done, there was worship also done to Ashtoreth, his, his consort. Um, another name for this image, this goddess, is Ishtar or Ashtarte, and that's where the name Easter comes from. This is the pagan, the, the pagan deity or goddess that was worshipped all through Old Testament times. Um, when I was in, uh, at the, the Valley of Megiddo, um, up on the mountain there where you can overlook where Ar- the Battle of Armageddon is going to take place, there is an altar there where Baal worship would have been done and worship to this Astoreth would have taken place. And you can see those, those high places still today in Israel. Even though they've been torn down, they found them and they've rebuilt them um, as archaeological sites. But you can see where it took place. Let's see what Matthew 13 says. Another parable spake he unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. What is leaven in the Bible? Sin and corruption. So you have this woman who has taken the three measures of meal and has corrupted all of it. All right? This, that's what this woman does. And it's corruption that's introduced into the place where the kingdom of heaven is going to be, and that's the Holy Land, by this woman. So that's in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we have a description of this. Go to Revelation chapter 2. Isn't it amazing how often we go to these seven churches? It's amazing the information that's there. My Bible has entire chunks of the pages missing because I've been here too many times. Um, But look at Revelation chapter 2 and verse 20. Um, So this is to the church at Thyatira. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that what? that woman, Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now, that's wickedness, isn't it? And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed with them that commit, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds." And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto you, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you, I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine. So notice that this wickedness that this woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, is introducing, it's a doctrine. It's a teaching of wickedness. So it's not only a behavior of wickedness, it's a doctrine, it's a spiritual wickedness. Do you see that? That as many as have not this doctrine and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. All right? So here at the, to the church at Thyatira, Jesus is saying to them, look, in this church... There is an evil woman, a wicked prophetess, 
that is going to destroy you physically and is going to destroy you spiritually. So this is an immoral thing, and we may look at that some more in a minute. Let's see if we can figure anything else about, about this. Go to Revelation chapter 17, verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth hath committed fornication, or have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. So here you have this woman that is wickedness. She is wickedness personified. She has mixed her leaven into the world. And she's described in Zechariah chapter 5. She's described in Matthew 13. She's described in Revelation chapter 2, and in Revelation chapter 17. Um, in Let's go back to uh, Zechariah. This text, our text, there are three myths that have come out of this text. Storks bringing babies. This is where it comes from. Um, angels that are women. How many of you have seen a painting or an image of an angel that's a woman? Yeah. And then angels having wings. Angels are never women in the Bible. They're always men. We could take the time to track that down in Scripture if you'd like. We're not going to. But uh, if you want those Scriptures, I can give them to you. Angels are always men in the Bible. They're always male. Um, and they don't have wings. They don't have wings. It would be hard to entertain angels unawares if they had storks' wings. It's interesting. Unless they were little storks. Um, the, you say, well, what about Lucifer? Well, Lucifer, Satan, is a cherub. And cherubim have wings, but they're not angels. They're different. It's a different creature. But the Bible says that he can transform himself into an angel of light. He's a cherub. So there, these are myths that come. And isn't it interesting? Where do we get this imagery of these female angels with wings? Where does that come from? Roman Catholic art. And it's deception. It's simply deception. And we're going to see that here in a minute. Um, the, there are, you know, in Scandinavia, uh, the, the teaching is that when Jesus was on the cross, that uh, storks were flying around the cross. This, this stuff, it's grown into different types of legends and myths, but we're just going to look at the words. So those are myths that arise 
from this text. So here in our text, we have a woman connected with an image. And if, we, if you look at verse 9, Then lifted I up mine eyes and looked, and behold, there came out two women, and the wind was in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork. So let's try to track down what the Bible says about these winged creatures, and let's see how it fits into the Scriptures. Look at Matthew chapter 13 again. Are you noticing this 13 number yet? Anyone? Matthew chapter 13. <clears throat> Look with me at verse 3. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. All right, so the fowls came and devoured them up. These fowls, who are they? Look at verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. So now Jesus has given the parable to the multitudes. They couldn't understand it. Now he explains it to his disciples. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. So the, the wicked one, and we understand from the book of Revelation that the wicked one, that old dragon, the serpent, the devil, it's Satan. So these fowls are Satan. The Satan and his minions are pictured as these fowls of the air. Look at chapter, let's keep in the same chapter, look at verse 31. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. Now, while I was in uh, Hannibal, Missouri this last week, I went over to Quincy, Illinois. I, I needed to find a Christian bookstore to get some things for my, look for some things for my series that I'm doing starting next week. And while I was there, uh, um, the Lord led me to a Starbucks first. Hey, did you all hear we're getting a Starbucks? There's revival in the land. I can tell you that. Praise His holy name. I can. I can stay. I was going to leave. I was going to move. Now, now we can stay. Now you were, you're stuck with me now. But anyway, I went to a Starbucks and I asked somebody at Starbucks where there was a Christian bookstore. And this kid didn't know. And he said, "Let me ask." And he asked another lady. And she said, "Yeah, it's a store called Mustard Seed. If you go down next to Hobby Lobby, there's a Mustard Seed down there." She pointed me that way. And I was walking. As I was walking out, I heard the boy say, "Mustard Seed." What's that? Mustard seed. Well, understand that most people think that this verse is talking about the church. Okay? Let's see if that's what it's talking about. How many of you were here for our Mark study? How many of you were here? Hold your hands up. Everybody look around. Look how few this is. The church has changed so much. That was 15 years ago, I guess, that we did the Mark study. Yes, Sue, you're getting older. I saw that, yeah. It's wild, 15 years ago that we did this. Um, and so we taught this all the way back then, so some of you know where we're going, but look at this. Look at verse 31. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree 
All right, now, this mustard seed doesn't grow into a tree. This is an abomination. All right, what you're seeing here, this is, a, this is not a, the, what is uh, normal. So then look at what it says. So this grows into a tree so that the birds of the air come to lodge in the branches thereof. What are the birds of the air? Satan. Satan. So Jesus is telling us that there's going to be this organization that calls itself the kingdom of heaven. Remember the movie that was just made a couple of years ago about the kingdom of heaven, about the crusades and the Catholic church capturing the world and establishing the kingdom of heaven? Well, this thing's going to grow up and call itself the kingdom of heaven and it's going to get so huge around the world that Satan's going to be right in the middle of it, Satan and his minions. It's amazing. Look at um, Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Now remember, right before he gave that parable, Jesus told them who the fowls are, the birds, the wicked one. All right, so now Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Look at verse 20. Curse not the king, no, not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber, for a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. Now, this is an interesting thing. How many of you heard a little bird told me? That's where that comes from. You'd be amazed how many common sayings in the vernacular come from the Scriptures. But here this little bird tells it. And this is something that's really important for us to understand. Don't miss this. Satan cannot read your thoughts doesn't know what's in your mind. He's not God. Amen? He's not God. So how are these things going to be spread? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness in high places. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are spiritual to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations in any high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. So and bring into captivity every uh, thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. We, we have this spiritual battle that we're in. Do you all agree with that? Watch what you say. Watch what you say. And Ecclesiastes is explaining that these winged creatures these birds, these fowls, that it's evil. Uh, we're not going to take the time to look it up, but in, the, in, in Ecclesiastes, you have all these unclean animals. You know, don't eat a stork. That's what it says. One of the unclean animals identified as a stork. I have another one that's interesting. That it's, the eagle is listed there. Don't eat the eagle. That's interesting, isn't it? But anyway, when we're looking at these winged creatures... They're evil in the Scriptures. Um, now, I can think of one winged creature that's not considered evil in the Scriptures, the dove. The dove is white. Doves picture the Holy Spirit. But how about that raven? Satan. It's always that in the Scriptures. Um, look at... Go back to Zechariah chapter 5. Then the angel, there were verse 5 again, Then the angel that talked with me went forth and said unto me, Lift up now thine eyes, and see what is this that goeth forth. And I said, What is it? 
And he said, This is an ephah that goeth forth. He said, Moreover, this is their resemblance through all the earth. So now, what's going on? This woman that is corrupting the world, this that's all through the earth, going to be represented and helped by these two women with wings and carried about by these two women with wings. Now, look at what's going to happen in this context. We have, if you look at verse 7, And behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead, and this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephah. All right? So in this basket is this image or this idol that's lifted up. Now, right now, we, you understand that one of the reasons that the children of Israel were carried into captivity was because of their worshiping idols. All right? And so now, here in our context, we understand that down the road, there's going to be idol worship again in the Holy Land. That's coming again. And let's see if we can track that down in the Scriptures. Look at Matthew chapter 24 and verse 15. So, so far we have a woman that is wickedness. We have these two winged creatures that are not angels, but are associated with Satan and with the devil. And uh, Matthew chapter 24. Look at verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Let them which then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. And Jesus goes on to talk about how now this is going to be great tribulation. So what is happening here? So for three and a half years, you've had wars and rumors of wars. You've had earthquakes and but the time's not yet come, the Bible says. These are the beginning of sorrows. So the first half of the tribulation period, you have the Antichrist has established world peace. And they've established this religious system. And, and all people are worshiping there. Islam has been destroyed. The battle of Gog and Magog has taken place. And they've come and converged on Israel and they've been destroyed. Five, six of them have been destroyed. So Islam is not a struggle. And you're left with this New Age world system that we're going to look at some more in a minute. But there's peace until the abomination of desolation takes place. What is the abomination of desolation? We're not going to take time to go there, but you can check it out yourself in Daniel chapter 9. During the tribulation period, the Antichrist sets up an image in the middle of the temple, the rebuilt temple, in the place, the holiest of all, the place where only the high priest should go. And this image is set up, and then they are commanded, and it's demanded of them that they worship this image. All right? Are you all with me so far? And so Jesus is saying, look, he's telling the Jews, when you see this happen, remember what he's answering here. They said, what will be the sign of thy coming and the, the end of the world? And so he says, okay, this is what it's going to look like. 
Jesus is explaining. It's the Olivet Discourse. He's explaining what's coming. And he says, when you see this, these Jews, this is for Israel. Remember the book of Matthew, Jesus is the king of the Jews. It's being presented to the Jews. And he's telling the Jews, look, when you see this happen in Jerusalem, when you see this idol set up in Jerusalem, you need to run. How many of you heard of Head for the Hills? You need to head for the hills. Don't go back to get anything. Head out. And they go to Petra. And God protects them. They go into the wilderness. They go into Egypt and Jordan and Petra. And God saves a remnant of His people. But Jerusalem becomes a horrible place. And idol worship is forced on the people. So this idol worship is coming and it will be forced. Um, Look at Daniel chapter 11. In verse 38, I want you to see something interesting here. Now, how many of you recognize that Israel had committed idolatry in the past? Will you all see that? That's not happening now. Now, we understand, I'm not talking about the idolatry of materialism or, or whatever. I'm talking about actual idol worship. That's not going on in Israel right now in general. It's going to happen again, and it's going to be forced, and this idolatry is going to be worse than it was in the past. So look at Daniel chapter 11 and verse 38. The Bible says, But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces. And so uh, Daniel chapter 11 is all about the Antichrist, okay? But in his estate he shall honor the God of forces, And a God whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus shall he do in the most strongholds with a strange God whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory and he shall cause them to rule over many and shall divide the land for gain. And so this is this idol worship. It's coming. Look how it's described in Revelation chapter 13. Look at verse 15. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Look at chapter... So they're going to be forced worship of this image. Look at chapter 18 and verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities." What are we talking about? This is Babylon. This is They go from Jerusalem to Babylon. And now you're in this, this rebuilt city of Babylon and it's just full of wickedness and idol worship. And God tells His people, come out of there. If you're in there, come out of there. Look with me at Revelation chapter 20. What happens to the people who refuse to worship the image and refuse to take the mark? Revelation 20 and verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. 
And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now, in, in our Sunday school class this morning, we talked just briefly about this. But isn't it interesting how people don't believe in a literal thousand-year reign of Christ? As if that's some kind of figurative language. There's, there's nothing figurative there. It's just a clear explanation of what's going to happen. That's just a little aside. Um, so where is all of this going to take place? We understand that this woman and this image, we said that in Old Testament it was Ashtaroth and in the and Ishtar and that worship at that time is where the worship of Easter came from or the, where the, the, the name Easter comes from, from Ishtar. Um, but under the Roman Catholic system, that woman became Mary. All right? And you understand, we could talk about the, the cult, this Roman cult with mother and child worship, the deity, this mother of God, this mother of heaven. Um, can, can I show you something interesting? Go to Jeremiah chapter 44. Look at verse 17. But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth, to burn incense unto who? The Queen of Heaven. Has anyone heard of the Queen of Heaven? I've seen Catholic churches called Queen of Heaven Catholic Church. How many of you have heard of the Queen of Heaven before? All right. So look at what it says. So they're going to burn incense unto the queen of heaven and pour out drink offerings unto her as we have done. We and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then had we plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. But since we left off to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. And when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her, we did make cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men. Then Jeremiah said unto all the people, to the men and to the women and to all the people which had given him that answer, saying, The incense that ye burned in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, ye and your fathers, your kings and your princes and the people of the land, did not the Lord remember them and came it not into his mind so that the Lord could no longer bear because of the evil of your doings and because of the abominations which ye have committed? Therefore is your land a desolation and an astonishment and a curse without an inhabitant as at this day. Because ye have burned incense, and because ye have sinned against the Lord, and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, nor walked in His law, nor in His statutes, nor in His testimonies, therefore this evil, evil has happened unto you, as at this day. Moreover, Jeremiah said unto all the people, and to all the women, Hear the word of the Lord, all Judah, that are in this land of Egypt. Thus, or in the land of Egypt, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, 
Ye and your wives have both spoken with your mouths and fulfilled with your hands, saying, We will surely perform our vows that we have vowed to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her. Ye will surely accomplish your vows and surely perform your vows. Therefore, hear ye the word of the Lord. All Judah that dwell in the land of Egypt, behold, I have sworn by my great name, saith the Lord, that my name shall no more be named in the mouth of any man in Judah. In all the land of Egypt, saith, saying, the Lord God liveth. So what does he do? He destroys them. Sends in famine. He destroys them. Why? Because they're worshiping the queen of heaven. What does God do? God promises, if you worship this queen of heaven, you will be destroyed. Why in the world would people today worship the queen of heaven? It's unbelievable. It is complete and utter idolatry. Go back with me to Zechariah chapter 5, and I want you to see something. So in verse 9, these two women, they lift up this ephah, and they take the image. And where do they take it? Verse 9, Then lifted I up mine eyes, and behold, and looked, and behold, there came out two women, and the wind was in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork. And they lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven. So then he asked, where are they taking it? Where are they taking it? Verse 11, And he said unto me, To build it and house, in the land of Shinar, and it shall be established and set there upon her own base. So what's going to happen? This idol is in this basket, and it's going to go to this land of Shinar, and it's going to be set up as an altar, this idol on its own base, and it's going to be worshipped there. Where is this land of Shinar? Let's figure this out. Go with me to Dan or to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. Look, let's do Genesis 10 first. Then we'll go to Genesis 11. All right, Genesis 10, look at verse um, 8. And Cush begat Nimrod he began to be a mighty one in the earth. And he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Urek, and Akkad, and Kelneth in the land of where? Shinar. Where is that? That's Iraq. All right? And it's south of Baghdad and a little bit to the west toward Kuwait. And that's where Babylon was. Babel, Babylon. Look at what happened there. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. And the whole, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech, one world government, right? You see that? And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of where? And they dwelt there, and they said, "Let us, let us." And they said one to another, "Go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly." And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. 
And they said, go to, let us build us a what? A city, Babylon, and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So remember that this globalism that everyone's talking about and this being a part of the world community, God divided that all the way back in Genesis chapter 11. Is that right? Why did He do that? Why did He divide the world? In verse 6, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. You know, is it uh, Garth Brooks? You know, can we all be one? He looks like a thumb, you know. And he sings, everybody, you know, can we all just get together? I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Really? Is that what we're going to do? Look what they're going to do if they do that. They're one. They have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. And that's where we are right now. This is where men are coming together to do such evil things, human cloning, all of the evil that people are beginning to do. All right? Why is that? Globalism. It's pooling all of our knowledge. Imagine what would happen if we could all get together and work together, and there could be no more war, and we were all one, what's going to happen? Unbelievable wickedness. And so what are they building? They're building a tower. Think obelisk. You know, the best, if you want to picture that in your mind, if you've never seen one, the Washington Monument. That's an obelisk. This is what they're building there, this tower. So this is happening in Shinar. What else has been set up in Shinar? Go to Daniel chapter 3. Look at verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits, and the breadth thereof six cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. All right? So when you look at this image that he builds here, um, this is before his dream, but this is his image. He builds this in the this, this thing to be worshipped. And look at where he says he builds it, in the province of Babylon. Do you see that? Where does this take place? Look at Daniel chapter 1. Verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of where? to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. So here you have in the land of Shinar, which is where Nimrod was, and you have this Babylonian cult that's begun. That's where, again, you have an image being built here in the book of Daniel. Um, go with me to Revelation 
chapter 13. We read one of the verses from this a minute ago. But look at what happens here. Revelation 13 and verse 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. So remember he's going to look like Christ, the lamb, but he's going to be the dragon, Satan. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And so when he does these miracles, it wins people over. And he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles, which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he, gave, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And then he causes them to have the, the mark in their foreheads. So here we see this apostasy that comes. And let me show you how bad it gets. I want you to think about something. This is the actual indwelling of Satan in the land. Do you all see that? That idol worship's not there right now. Look at Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Look with me at verse 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. So this vessel that he was in that he had defiled, now it's clean. So what does he do? Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. Okay, remember what the Bible says about that image that's set up? It has the beast and seven heads. Is that what we just read in Revelation 13? Look at where this happens. So, look, look at what it says. Verse 45 again. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Look at what Jesus says. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. So what is this talking about? This is the context where Jesus said, A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh for a sign. Jesus tells them about His own resurrection. They reject Him. And so He says this to them. Look, you know what's going to happen? All this demonic activity is going to be gone. But Satan's going to come back. And he's going to bring with him seven wicked, or this spirit is going to be gone. This spirit is going to come back and bring with him seven more wicked spirits than himself and dwell in that wicked generation. That's what's coming to Israel, folks. That's what's coming to Jerusalem. Now... I want you to see something very interesting. Go with me to Revelation chapter 17. 
And if you're tired, I understand that. Sometimes on Sunday evening, by the time we get to this point, it's tough. You're going to want to wake up for this. Revelation chapter 17. Remember what the context here is, that whore that, that sits on seven mountains. Look at verse 9, Revelation 17, 9. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. So the, the city of seven mountains, that's Rome. So we understand, and it's called that city of seven hills. So we understand that, that Rome and this, this mystery Babylon system that's coming, we recognize that it's Rome. Well, that worship moves to Babylon. And we know that the city of Babylon is rebuilt Remember, the Bible is the tale of two cities, Jerusalem, the city of God, Babylon, the city of Satan. So the head of the religion goes to Israel, and then it's moved to Babylon. And look at what happens. That city is destroyed. Look at verse 17, or verse 16. And the ten horns which... Thou sawest upon the beast. Now remember, horn in the Bible, that's power. And so these are the, the, the ten kings that come alongside of this beast, this woman that rides the beast. That thou sawest upon the beast. It says that uh, in the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill His will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. Now look at what this says. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. So God destroys, God destroys Rome, all right, where this woman is worshiping and this religion is taking place. So what happens? These two winged women with wings like storks. They take that image from Jerusalem and they take it to Babylon, to Shinar, and they set it down. And look at what happens in Babylon. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily, with a strong voice saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit. Now look, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And what does the Bible call Jerusalem? The Bible calls Jerusalem, which is spiritually Sodom. And it becomes so wicked there. God tells His people, go out of there. And somehow in this process, the religious system from Rome, it's in Jerusalem, it's around the world, and that's what the Zechariah says, it's around the globe. And somehow in this process, this image is taken... This woman, this image, this false religious system that is called wickedness is taken to Babylon. 
And where did that image worship begin? In Babylon. Think about this. What was the religion that Nimrod established there? It was with the queen Tammuz and the, the baby and it's the virgin birth and a, a, a baby that is worshipped but the mother is worshipped above the baby. And there are black-robed priests and those black-robed priests, they have fertility rites. And those fertility rites are based around that queen Ishtar. And it's celebrated with bunnies. That's <laughs> all that all happened. There there were trees that were decorated and Yule logs burned. The, all of these pagan sacrifices, this fornication that is spoken of in Revelation chapter 20 with that wicked woman Jezebel. All of that. Then when you go to Revelation chapter 17, all that imagery, it all comes to fruition back again in Shinar and Babylon and God destroys it there. That's what Zechariah chapter 5 is describing. That's what Zechariah 5 is describing. So what do we have? We have a woman that is an image that is worshipped and is wickedness that covers the whole earth. We have two women that come alongside her and help her. Look at Proverbs chapter 30. Look at verse 11. Remember what God said about that generation? That it was going to be worse. The, the, the spirits, the unclean and foul spirits of that generation is going to be worse. Look what the Bible says. Proverbs 30, verse 11. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among them or from among men. The horse leech, that's a bloodsucker, hath two daughters crying. Give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied, yea, four things. Say not, it is enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not filled with water, and the fire that saith not, it is enough. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. <laughs> there be three things which are too wonderful for me, yea, four which I know not, the way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent upon the rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. Such is the way of an adulterous woman. She eateth and wipeth her mouth and saith, I have done no wickedness. This whole thing, it, it, it describes these two daughters and the wickedness of the harlot and the generation that is made from them. And they despise the poor and they 
They try to wipe them off of the face of the earth. And Jesus Christ said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall be filled. Jesus said, Inasmuch as you've done it unto unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. When, when saw we thee and hungered and gave thee not meat? When saw we thee a naked and, and, and did not clothe thee? When saw we thee in prison and did not visit thee? Inasmuch you've, as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. What is that? It's Matthew chapter 25, the judgment of the nations. When Jesus Christ comes and judges that generation and all those nations that treated His people wickedly, that's all coming to fruition. And God describes it in Zechariah chapter 5. How many of you are glad that you're saved? Amen. Amen. You know, all this stuff about angels and, you know, all these little statues that people put in their yards and all this kind of stuff. And it, it's so interesting. Somebody puts a statue of this woman angel with wings in their yard. What are they doing? They're putting an image of an evil spirit in their yard. Now, look, I don't believe in talismans and all of that kind of thing. I'm just saying it's demonstrating spiritual ignorance to do that. Amen? That's what they're doing. Um, I'm just glad that God tells us all of this in the Bible. How many of you believe that Babylon's going to rise again? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Clarence Larkin, the great Baptist preacher from the early 1900s, In his book, Dispensational Truth, he believes, he identifies it as spiritual Babylon, which is Rome, and physical Babylon, which we built in Shinar, and that the two are intertwined. I think there may be some truth to that, that this religion that comes to Babylon will be that uh, Roman Catholic religion. I'm not sure how it all happens. But we know that that image, which is wickedness, which has spread over the face of the earth, was taken by these two women with storks' wings to the land of Shinar where a house is built for it. And it's set on its base. And God comes back and destroys it all. Amen? Isn't that a blessing? What a blessing that is. To those people in Zechariah's time who had come back, where had, where had they come back from to rebuild the temple? Where had they been? Babylon. What had they done? They had come back, they had started building the temple, and they hadn't completed it. So Haggai the prophet prophesies to them, you've got to finish the temple. And they repent, and they say, we will build the temple. And Zerubbabel, the the, the governor, comes back and leads them to rebuild it. And Joshua the high priest, God takes off his filthy garments and puts on clean garments. And he tells the people, I love you, you're the apple of my eye. I'm going to rebuild your city, I'm going to stretch the line upon it. And what had they been doing? They'd been buying and selling and wrapped up in merchandise and brought back the, the behavior from Babylon. That's what they had done. And so Jesus Christ is also telling the prophet that we're going to take that paganism that you brought with you and we're going to take it back to Shinar. It's going to be gone. It's going to be gone. Worship me. Don't be destroyed. That that role that will enter into your house and destroy you, don't don't swear falsely, don't steal from me. God says, that that law, I want you to be free. I want you to 
have your temple. I want you to sacrifice. I want to be present with you. And they just rejected him. They just rejected him. And so the dual fulfillment of the text is all of this is going to come in the future. Folks, you and me, should we accept Christ? Is that a good idea? Should we believe His Word? Yeah, because it's all coming back. Everything that God said. Remember the passage? Let's just review it and we'll be done. Look with me at Isaiah 46. Look at verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. You know, look at the next verse. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted, that are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off, and my salvation shall not tarry. And I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. Look at the next verse. Come down. And sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground. There is no throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans. For thou shalt no more, shalt no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind meal. It, when you look at all of this, God says exactly what's going to happen to these nations. He describes it. This ravenous bird is going to come and destroy these people. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing how God's imagery is all clear. God promised it. It's going to happen. Do you all believe that? Let's just rest in God's Word. What else did He promise? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? He promised that He wants to give you life and give it more abundantly. He promised that you could have peace that passes all understanding. He's offering you freedom and grace mercy. Let's live there. Amen? Let's live there. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word.